Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 5 through 11 tonight. And so usually what happens, I usually read through the text, and as I read through it, um, we'll read through it, and then we'll go back and we'll see what the Lord has for us. And so, uh, but before we get started tonight, let's um, ask the Lord to bless our time together. So Father God, we, uh, we come before you tonight, Father. Um, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would be in our study tonight, Lord. Would you minister to our hearts, Father, that we would see you uh, much more clearly. May we be changed, Lord, tonight, Lord. May we, um, may we leave differently than the way we came in. Lord, we, we've come tonight, Lord, um, seeking your goodness and your love as your word speaks about, Lord. Um, we ask, Lord, that tonight, Lord, that you would uh, minister to our hearts. Help us to see you in all things, Lord. We ask all these things tonight, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we go, verse, uh, verse 5 of chapter 1. It says, But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so last week, as we were studying through Second Peter, we, we went through verses 1 through 4. It was a, a very short area, but one of the things that was so mighty in the study last week that really stood out to me was one of the things that I thought was so amazing is that when we got to verse 2, and it spoke about the uh, divine power that Jesus gives each and every one of us, as uh, this divine power that we've been given, this, this divine, remember that we spoke about it last week, that it was dudamos, and this is where we get the English word dynamite. And the thing that was so amazing about that, they say that this dynamite power that we've been given by God, that we have everything we need um, to walk as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's said for um, godliness, and it's said for life, that we have everything we need. And there is only one thing, and I know many of you as, as believers, as followers of Christ, many of us think, well, in some of these areas, I feel that I don't have everything I need. And we, and we went over this last week that some of the things that we are lacking in is that we need to grow in some of the areas. And, and we, I used the analogy last week about a baby, that you know that when a baby is born, a baby has everything it needs, right? But the baby comes and it doesn't have any hair and it doesn't have any teeth, right? And we see that in those areas that when the baby grows, everything it had to grow hair and everything it needed to, to have teeth, it had all along, but it just needed to grow. When I was thinking about this week, uh, one of the things that I, I was interested, I, I thought it was interesting that we see that in a seed, 
that a seed has a DNA code in it. And, and, you know, as I was thinking about this week, you know, probably Pastor Ed would be a better person to explain this. Um, but one of the things is a, a DNA has a DNA code in it that we see that that's in a seed. And that seed, once it is planted, um, I, I was uh, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a lemon, a lemon tree that people take lemon uh, seed out of lemons and they actually take them and they plant them in this little planter and they become this little tiny little bush and then they become and they, they plant them and eventually it will become a lemon tree. And we see that DNA code is in there and everything that is needed is in that seed. But remember that it needs a couple things, right? It needs to be planted, right? And it needs to be watered, right? And it needs to get sunlight. And as I was preparing for this this week, one of the things that really jumped out at me is that we see that in our spiritual walk, that these same elements that are needed for that seed to grow is the same thing in the areas of where we, we need to grow spiritually. And, and some of the things as you, as you think about, as we talk about the seed, it needs to be planted. And we are the seed, right? And we see that we are planted here on earth, right? We are planted on earth, right? And so as we grow spiritually, some of the elements that we talked about that we need, we need water, right? As we see the, as the lemon tree needs water. And the Bible speaks very clearly about the water is the Holy Spirit. And we see that spiritual growth comes as we spend time in the Holy Spirit, seeking the Spirit of God working in our lives. And so we see as we are watered, we will grow as we spend time in the Holy Spirit. But one of the things I really enjoyed this week as I was preparing for this, I really loved that I saw in this growth that just like the seed, we need sunlight, right? But the sunlight that we need, right, is not the, right, is not the S-U-N light. We need the S-O-N light, the sunlight of Christ shining down on us. And we remember what the Bible says I am the light of the world, Jesus speaking, and this is the light we need. And so this is tonight, as we get into this area, we're going to see seven virtues tonight that Peter is going to point out that where we can grow in our faith. And we're going to see in these areas, seven characteristics that we're going to see that we can grow in our faith. And this is what he's going to be covering tonight. And I just thought it, it was it's amazing study tonight. And we'll see um, as Lord speaks into our lives. And so here we go in verse five. It says, but also this very reason, uh, I'm sorry, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. As it spoke here in the very part, first part, it said, for this very reason. And as we think about this very reason, as we saw the very first four verses last week, as we got into the study last week, we saw that this very reason that we saw things last week that was like this precious faith that we received. And we see that we receive these things from Christ. We've been given this faith as we have come and accepted the gift of God, this, the grace of God as we've accepted it. He has given us this precious faith. And so this is a saving faith. And remember that Peter is addressing here, he is addressing believers, right? This is people, he is speaking and writing this letter 
to people that are believers. And so we see that this, this uh, precious faith that they have, this saving faith, that he is going to come out to this area that they can grow in that faith. And this is where he's going to address. But one of the things that we saw last week also in that we saw that the divine um, godly, that dudamos power, we saw that last week. And we're going to, you know, there's just some of the areas that we see last week. But this precious promises, I remember this from last week. It was so amazing. We saw the precious promises of God. And we went down a list of some of the precious promises. But one of the things uh, that we saw, the very last thing we saw in verse 4, we saw this divine nature. And divine in the, in the Bible, um, in the, the actually, it means godly. And godly, we've been given a godly nature. And this really spoke to me this week because one of the things that I remember is before I became a believer, um, my, my mom would oftentimes have a, a Bible on the table and she would set it out. And back then in those days, they had a huge, I mean, it was a huge Bible. And, and when we were kids, we would thumb through it and we would kind of look at the pictures. But, we, you know, we would try to read some of it, but we didn't have a lot of understanding of the Bible. We would try to read it as kids. I mean, we really weren't kids, 13, 14 years old. We really didn't understand the Bible. But one of the things, as, as I see, as we've, um, we've actually given our lives to Christ and we said, Lord, we've accepted his goodness and his grace and we accepted his gifts and we become born again. Uh, one of the things that I see as we've received this divine nature, that one of the things that I see that now we have understanding of the things of God. And all of a sudden now the scripture and reading the Bible, now we have understanding of it. And it is something that because we have this divine nature, we've been given this divine nature by God. And this comes from 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. It is the power of God. And so we see that that amazing power of God as we've been given those areas. And so I, I just wanted to share those as this very reason. And so this is the reason why uh, Peter is writing this letter. And he says here, add to your faith. And as we're adding to their faith, remember I, I talked about at the beginning, these are characteristics, uh, virtues. And, and somebody, I, I love the way one commentator said that they were like ingredients for like a recipe. And so he, I, I thought that was interesting. But these seven reasons. And so one of the things we see, the first one we see is virtue. Um, and it says to virtue, knowledge. And virtue, as we see in the Bible, it is uh, in the NIV, it says uh, moral excellence. Moral excellence. And this is what they're speaking about here, this virtue. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you tonight, that there was a, a waiter that was working on a minimum wage job. And this is like, maybe help me explain virtue a little bit. And so this uh, waiter was working in this minimum wage job and he was working on the night shift. And so as he went out to the parking lot one night and his, his, park was, his car was parked in a, in a parking structure and he went out there and as he went out, he was getting in his car and he noticed a few feet away from his car that there was a briefcase in, in, the, in the parking lot. He looked around and he saw that the parking structure was empty. It's, it's approximately 2.33 o'clock in the morning, um, he recalls. And so as he sees this briefcase there, he, he looks at it, he picks it up, he, he notices, he shakes it around a little bit, he notices it has stuff in it. And he says, you know what, it's probably somebody from the restaurant that I work, work at. And so they probably, you know, it's probably just forgot it or left it here. So he picks it up and he puts it in the back of his car and he starts to drive home. As he's driving home, he's thinking about, well, I got to find out who this briefcase belongs to. Hopefully there's some identification in it or some way I can notify a person this, this uh, briefcase belongs to. 
So he gets home and it's late. So he goes to sleep. He wakes up the next morning. The, the first thing on his mind is this briefcase. So he goes in this briefcase and he's, a, he's kind of really super surprised because when he opens his suitcase, he sees there's some things in there are of tremendous value that are in this briefcase. And so as he goes through the briefcase, he finds a number and he calls the number that, on the phone. And the person on the phone answers the phone very frantically when he tells them that he's the person that found his briefcase. And he's telling the man, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And he says, no, I don't, I don't want anything. I just, I just want to give it back to you because it doesn't belong to me. And we see something in this virtue that we see that this, this excellence that we speak about here, that with this moral excellence, that we see that this man all along understood that this, thing, this briefcase did not belong to him. So he met up with a man and he returned this man's briefcase and he gave it back to him. And the man kept on wanting to tell, ask him, what do, you, what do you want because you brought back this briefcase? Because if I lost it, this, this stuff that's in here is, is untraceable. So I would never be able to, and he said, it's nothing. He was a believer. He's a follower. And he wanted to give it back. It doesn't belong to me. And he said that I understand that sometimes that maybe, you know, God has put you before me. And so that's the reason why maybe it's a test for me. And so he, he gave it back and he, he felt good about giving it back. But one of the things as, as this man went along telling others that some a news reporter picked up the story and wrote the story and this man was, uh, in some areas, they were, they were at first they were healed it as a hero because he had returned this briefcase. This briefcase had $25,000 in it. He was working a minimum wage job and it was in cash and it was untraceable. But as, as this, it's interesting, but as people started to come into the restaurant, the people started to ridicule the man that how why did you return it was you, you know, and he was trying to explain to people that it was the right thing to do but it's interesting to see that the values of the world and the values of god are much different that god values and this is the thing that we need to be reminded that god sees all things i think oftentimes when uh, we do things for god we oftentimes we think we, we're doing them in in this little closet and nobody sees it god sees all things and he understands what we go through and the pressures that we go through and so i just thought it was so fitting that this is what it's talking about this moral excellence and, and yes i'm not saying that as i spoke about this moral excellence i'm not talking about perfection and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that we know the Bible or I know very clearly as reading the scriptures over these last 20 years, I know very clearly that heaven is not for perfect people. It is for forgiven people. And I am thankful that it is for forgiven people because we can come to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. So we see their virtue and, and the next uh, uh, area we see, we see knowledge. As we got into knowledge last week, um, the, the in verses, uh, verse 3, I believe it was in knowledge, or in verse 2, it was in last week, knowledge. One of the things that I saw in knowledge, it was talking about a word in the Greek is called gnoskos. And that was, we talked about this last week, that, that it was, a, that's a relational knowledge of God, that we have a, a relationship with God. This is what it's talking about. But this is gnosis. This knowledge is gnosis. And this gnosis is a, a uh, it, it is a, a knowledge of the word of God, spending time and being in God's word. And this is what it's seeking, the truth of God. And this is what it's speaking of here. Um, and then I'm always reminded of Psalm uh, 113, 105. And many of us know this uh, Bible verse by heart. And it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And this is what the word of God should be in our lives. It, this is the illuminates the path that God has for each and every one of our lives, that we would see that the light that he has for each and every one of us. 
And so here we see um, verse 6, and it says, To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. We see self-control, and this is an area of, I love the way that some commentators say that it is self-control is an area where we need to under, uh, we need to control our appetites. And he went down a list, a long list of areas in our appetite. And he, yes, he did go food, but he also spoke that this is an area that our uh, sexual appetites need to be controlled. But I love the way that we need to do this in the power of God. There is many people that as they seek having uh, control, self-control, is remember as, as the New Year's resolutions that people write, right, about going to the gym and changing their diet and doing all these things. But the reason why these things don't last is because they do it in their own power. And, and this is what we need to understand, that to have true self-control, we need to do it in the power of the Lord, that we need to seek his power and ask the Lord in those areas where we are struggling in areas that we need to ask him for self-control, that we need to ask for help. One of the areas that we see is it was Paul, as he wrote 1 Corinthians, this comes from 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 26 and 27. It says, therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats uh, the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. But we see that his, this self-control that is in his submission to God, that, that we are to submit to God in those areas and this self-control that we will, um, is an area that they were uh, asking us, or, Paul is, or Peter's telling us, that if this area of self-control, that we will grow in this area. This is how we are to do it in uh, seeking the will of God for our lives. And so the, the next, uh, he comes out with perseverance. And this is the, the art of pressing on when all things seem against us. And, and this is powerful because I think there's been many of us in our lives that things, it feels at times that the walls are crashing in. That all of a sudden that you have something happen in your life and then all of a sudden the next thing happens. The next, they seem like dominoes happening in our lives. But we are to persevere and we are not to give up at the first sign as we walked. And one of the biggest examples, we know this, um, one of the biggest examples that we should be reminded of is that the book of Job. That we remember that Job was a godly man and he had done nothing of what the things that had happened to him, that he, we remember that he lost his family, his children, he lost all his wealth, his livestock, he lost everything in that one, in one chapter, he lost everything. And if that wasn't enough, in the second chapter, remember that Satan comes and attacks his health. And remember that he is scraping his uh, boils, he's scraping them with pottery on his arms, and he's just, but he never curses God. He never, he perseveres in all the things that are going on, knowing that God is good and knowing the promises of God. And, you know, and there in the very first verse of Job, he said, should I, you know, he tells his wife, should I accept, you know, goodness from God and not adversity? And he says, blessed be the name of God. Blessed be. And he blesses God, even though that he's going through a tremendous things that are going on in his life. And so these are the areas. Perseverance is one of the areas that's very important for us to, to seek perseverance. And the next one is godliness. And this is a uh, godliness is, is very simply explained God likeness and that, that we are to, to be an example. And as we were going through first Peter, I think that came out very loudly that we should be God likeness, that we should uh, not always by what we tell others 
but by the way we live our lives. We should be an example and we should uh, go into the areas and tell people of, of godliness. And this comes from uh, 1 Timothy 4.8. And it said, Godliness is profitable for all things, having uh, the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. We see that that, that God-likeness, right? We will be like him. The Bible says that when, we, when we're into heaven, that we will be like him. And I know many of us, I, myself included, I'm thinking, how can I be like God as God is, is perfect, but God loves us, that he is, he is uh, sanctifying us, right? He is changing us every day. And as, as, as uh, I think we were talking about this with Paul a couple of weeks back, as he's got us in the rock tumbler, right? And he's trying to knock off all the rough edges, right? And so he's constantly doing a work on us, but he is conforming us, transforming us to be more in the likeness of Christ. And this is the reason why God wants us to live the godly example and go live it out before the world that, that we would, they would see us as believers of Christ, that we are different, that we, we are not the same. And, and one of the things that I think that the biggest example that I've experienced in my life is that when I've seen people um, get upset at somebody and they get upset and, and when the other person humbly says, I'm sorry, or humbly says, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know what was going on there. And they humbly, it's always, and I've seen Christians do this, that, you know, that when they are actually, um, somebody comes and, and, and does something to them, they oftentimes, they want to, right, especially us here as men, right, we want to, our first, as we've been, you know, taught as we were children, don't let anybody take advantage of you, right? So if somebody comes up against us, our first reaction is to come back at them, right? But one of the things that I see in Christ, that that's what the world does. But we see as us as followers, Lord has told us that we are to repay uh, uh, goodness for evil. We are to repay goodness. And, and we are just, when somebody comes and does something to us, that we are to repay them with goodness. And that we are not to. And so I, I think that this is one of the things that's such an example of godliness. And so we see here in verse 7, and it says, To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Um, we see the word brotherly kindness here, and it is the word in the Greek. It is the word Philadelphia. And this is where we know the city of brotherly love. It, it's, this is, and this is where it comes from. But one of the things that we see is this brotherly love. I'm always reminded of John 13, 35. And it says, by this you will know that, that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And, and this is how us as believers and followers of Christ. But as I was thinking about this, that... You know, this, this uh, verse is talking about people in Christ that we are to have love for them. But it's oftentimes, as we talked about, that um, it's people that aren't always so necessarily nice to us. I, I know that a lot of times that I go to work in the workplace and I'll say good morning to somebody and they won't say anything back to me. But th to me, this becomes the challenge because now I, I want to go by and I want to say good morning to them every time I see them because eventually I want to share the love of Christ with them. And I want them to know that Jesus loves them. And oftentimes people go into the workplace and they're dreading things. But what we don't understand when people have bitterness or they don't answer us, what we don't understand is what they're going through. And oftentimes people as us, as we've been in, in, in life and we've lived a little life, we know that there is struggles, trials and tribulations are all around us. But when they come, and, and this is what excites me, that when people have bitterness in their heart or they're, or they're grumpy or they're, or they're upset about something, that it, when they come in the understanding of Christ, then they can lay their burdens at Christ's feet. It doesn't mean that us as believers that we don't suffer when we go through things, but it does mean that, we, that Christ is there with us. And, we, and I'm always reminded of he's in the boat when the, 
when the waves are crashing and it's coming over the bow, he's in the boat with us. And he's the one that's uh, making sure that all the things that we're going to be all right. And remember, I'm always, I always use this, that if God has promised us to, to take us to the other side, we are going to get to the other side, no matter how big the storm is and no matter how many holes there are, how many people are bailing the water, we're going to get to the other side. And this is, this is important for us to, to see that the love of Christ. And so we see that in the brotherly kindness. But the, I always love this here in, in, in verse 7, that he leaves the very last one, love. And this is the word agape. And this is a, a godly love, right? A, as we spoke about a motherly love, this is an unconditional love. And this is the love that Christ has for us, right? That while we were yet sinners, right? Christ died for us, right? While we were yet sinners. And, you know, as, as, we, as we talk about being uh, followers and believers in Christ, one of the things that I'm always reminded of is that, that us as in our human, um, as when our, especially I use, I'll use the analogy of me as a father, that I always want to give my children things or, or actually reward them when they're doing well. And what is the, the thing that is when they're not doing well or I feel in their life they're not walking in the areas, I want to bring back some of those, those things that I wanted to gift them when I want to hold on to them and I don't want to give to them to, to let them know that I am upset of the area that they're walking in. But we see that our Heavenly Father is not that way that we see that he loves us. And even when we walk into areas that we should not walk in, he still, he does not withhold his goodness and his love for us. And this is the way that he draws us back. And we, I'm always reminded of the prodigal son that this is the reason that he was waiting every single day. He would come to the gate and look down the road. And that one day he saw his son coming. And, and, and it's just so amazing that we as, as, as followers of Christ, we're always looking to God to be upset at us. But what did God do? He came down and he kissed him. He loved on him. And he said, my son was lost and now he's found. As we sang tonight, this beautiful picture of Christ and who he is, truly is. And so we see this love. And uh, as, as I, I was thinking of this love, 1 John uh, 4, 19, it says, for we loved him because he first loved us. And so here in verse 8, it says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that we see in this, that he speaks about these things. When he points out these things, he is talking about the seven virtues or the seven characteristics or the seven ingredients that we just went through. And this is what he is talking about, uh, that he is speaking about those seven things that if, we are, are, if these are yours and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful, meaning that we will be filled and we will be fruitful, right? He uses the negative sense here. But it is that we will be fruitful if we um, if we have if we are growing in these seven characteristics. And, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want anybody to think tonight. Um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody had said something like, oh, we have to do all these things. No. Remember that he is talking to people that are saved. Right. These are people. This is an area that we can grow in our faith. This is an area that we grow. They're not trying to do these things or they're not trying to these characteristics. They're not trying to get them so they can be saved. They already are saved, but these are the areas that they can grow in their spiritual walk, in their faith with God. And so this is, uh, I, I don't want anybody to come tonight to think that, oh, these are areas, this is something that I got to work to, to be saved. No, no, we are saved as we've given our lives, that we were born again. 
This is when we we were saved and God, you know, so welcomely uh, welcomed us. But we are, um, you know, and, and one of the things that I wanted to share with you tonight is uh, one of the commentators, he, he put this on a on a farm, but but I'll put it in a hot rod Bible study uh, story. And it, and it is if uh, they spoke about like if a if a person was taking over a shop, uh, a shop where you worked on cars and they and they gave them everything they needed for this shop and they gave them the lift. They gave him all the tools and all the toolboxes and they gave him everything that he needed to make this shop a successful shop to to work on cars, hot rods. If they gave it a successful and but if that hot rod shop, if it didn't make any money because the person that owned it or the people that worked in there didn't want to do any of the work, then whose fault would that be? Right. That would be their own fault because they are not doing the work. And this is exactly as the Lord, he has given us everything we need to grow in our faith. He has given it to us. And so all we have to do is just grow in it and seeking it. And, you know, in these areas that we talk about, that we, this list that he has here of the areas that, we, that he asks us to grow uh, in our faith, it is something that is going to bring us, you know, that, that, that's the thing about the Lord is so different. That oftentimes when people, um, you know, people work out for their health, to benefit themselves. But God, as he asks us to do these things, we see that eternally that he is He is elevating us. He is lifting us up. He is bringing stuff. He is bringing us. He is filling us with those things. And so I just think it's powerful that we see that, that we will neither be, if we, um, we will work to have this uh, areas. And so here in verse nine, it says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. When we says here that there is short-sighted or blindness, this is a person that is looking for the material things of the here and the now. This is a person that is looking for material things and not focused on the spiritual things. And this is what it is speaking about here when it talks about the short-sightedness and blindness. But remember that this is a person that lacks these seven virtues or characteristics. This is a person that lacks them. And so he is short-sighted and he's only looking for the here and now and not looking for the spiritual things. And, and, and it's just, you know, I'm always just so reminded that we need to have uh, looking for the future because we're always reminded and we're always, um, we're always in that area that we are always reminded that, that the things which are seen are temporary. Right. The Bible says very clearly. Right. And this is Second Corinthians, Second um, Corinthians 418. Uh, it says, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Right. The things that are not seen. Those are the things that we cannot see. But those are the things that are eternal. And so we need to be reminded of that not to put everything in, in our eggs in one basket, thinking that this world has it all. No, it is found only in Jesus. And so the next uh, area here we see in this verse, we see that he had forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. And you see, this is a person because he does not have these seven characteristics or even trying to grow in those characteristics, that this is a person that is toying with going back to his sins or going back to his old life and going back to those sins that put Jesus on the cross. And so we need to see this person is is a person that's contemplating going back to its old life. And so we need to be aware of those things. And this is the one of the things that we're always should be reminded. And as I think about those things and we think about Christ, that we know we all know as, as we've believed and we and we follow Christ, we know that Christ paid our debt, right? It was paid in full, tetalistide. Willie mentioned it last week, tetalistide, right? Paid in full. But the thing that's so amazing about this that I'm reminded that when I 
was working at a warehouse that I remember that there was a lunch truck, and many of you probably experienced this, that there was a lunch truck that would come, honk the horn, everybody would go out there and get, a lunch, get something off the lunch truck. But there was oftentimes there were people that I remember one instant in particular that a guy came and, and the lunch truck guy was looking for somebody, and the reason why he's looking for him because he owes him money, right? We all know that. He owes him money on the lunch truck. And so this went on for a couple of days that he was like, hey, have you seen this guy? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? And, and everybody kept on saying, no, no, I haven't seen him. So finally, one of the guys says, okay, well, you're looking for him, and he, I don't know where he's at, but what does he owe you? And he says, oh, he owes us like $13. The guy went into his pocket and paid the $13, and so that way, and, and so he paid his debt. And what I was thinking about this study this week, one of the things that, that you know, really brought this to, that really opened my eyes to see that we see that Jesus, though, he paid a debt that we could never pay. There was a, there's a debt that we had of our sins, but we could never pay it. But Jesus paid the debt. And it's not like somebody could have came and on and said, hey, you know what, I'll pay his debt, I'll pay Mike's debt. No, only, only Jesus could pay that debt. And so Christ paid a debt that no one else could pay. And I, I just thought it was uh, amazing to see that, that Christ paid that debt for us. The loving uh, hands of our Father loves us. So here in verse 10, it says, Therefore, brethren, but even more diligent, uh, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. One of the things that it, call, it says here, it says to make your call and your election sure. Um, and so how are we to make our election and our call sure? And it is that to see in our lives that we are growing in these seven areas that we are growing. And, and you know, as, as it talks about, one of the things that I'm always reminded of, the love and the brotherly kindness. And, and this brotherly kindness is not always brothers and sisters in the world. These are within, they can also be within our family. You know, oftentimes, and, and many of you probably have a similar stories. I've, I've seen people grow up in a family and I've seen husband and wife interact with one another. And I have never over 20 years, there, there's a particular somebody in my mind that I'm thinking about that I've never seen them, um, first of all, not showing affection to each other as husband and wife, but I've never even seen them tell each other that they love them. Um, you know, my, my wife, I'll share this with you. My wife grew up in a family where she said that her father never told her that he loved her, but she said she always knew that he loved her, but he never told her. And you see that now my wife has grown up and she, as we have our children, she said, man, I, I really came to understand that it must have been, it's very hard for me because she says, I cannot help but tell my children that I love them. And this is the love of Christ that, that God has instilled in all of us, not only believers, but he has instilled in all of us that we love our children. And, and I just think it's so beautiful that we see that the love that we have, that God has instilled in each and every one of us. And so this is how are we to make sure um, that we um, have this call and election. And if we have those, if we are growing in those seven characteristics, look what it says here at the end. It says we will never stumble, right? It doesn't mean that we won't have trials and tribulations, but we will never stumble. So here in verse 11, it says, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into an everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is, a, this is what the day that we all look forward to that Jesus Christ, that he will allow us to come in. And this comes from Matthew 25, 23. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. And we're all in this room and people who are online, we're all looking forward to hear those words from Christ on that day. And, and you know, the, 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 one of the things that I'm always reminded as, we, as we, uh, we share this, that at the end of that verse, he says that enter into with joy 
of the Lord. And it will be a joyful day when we see our Heavenly Father. When we come right before His eyes, we will see our Heavenly Father. It will be a joy. And so we look forward to that day. Amen? Amen. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, um, for your study tonight, Lord. We ask, Lord, that um, you would continue to be with us, continue to guide us, Lord. Um, Lord, we, um, as we came before the study tonight, Father, we've laid our burdens down before you. Um, we ask, Lord, that you would be in all of our prayers. And, Lord, we, we ask tonight as people come and online and people that are here, um, Lord, we ask that you would have your way with us this week, Father. Um, we love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things tonight, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.